Jennifer Sanchez right now. Right now. <laughs> Sorry. Is that awkward? Awkward as you want to make it. Okay. My name is Jennifer Sanchez. I can edit whatever. Okay. That works. Um, let's see. I grew up in a very conservative Christian family over in Africa and Brazil. So how I got in this field is crazy. But What year did you graduate from here, from Greenville Technical College? 2016. 2016. You're wondering? You sure? All right. 2016. Hey, okay. With as much as I work, it feels like it's been several years. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that too. <laughs> All right. Cool. So 2016 graduate. You've been in the field just over just over a year. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. So what what really brought you to EMS? You say it's stupid. I say I can't wait to hear it. Okay. So I was in Brazil, sitting on a couch, watching Grey's Anatomy. And there's one episode where there's this um, EMT that stuck her hand in this body that had some unexploded grenade inside of it or whatnot. And so I was like, that looks really cool. Like, I know she shouldn't have stuck her hand in there, but, you know, to deal with stuff like that, that's kind of cool. So I started to research it, and I thought, well, maybe this might be what's for me. You showed up to a career talk, and 18, 19 months later, bam, you're, you're a paramedic. Yep. Oddly enough, that is the only, I think that was a two-part episode, oddly enough, that is the only episode of Grey's Anatomy I have ever seen, and I'm pretty secure about saying that. Um, and I think at the end, didn't it didn't blow up and yeah. people died. Yeah. Okay. Including the EMT. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, you know um, what you signed up for. All right. Well, cool. Either way. So you're here. So you had no prior public safety EMS background before you signed up for your first day of EMT. Nope. Just Grey's Anatomy Watcher. Yeah. And that was it. Well, actually, I was considering becoming a cop. A cop? I, I was. Okay. But I really like the science and medicine and all that stuff. Okay. And did any of your, uh, like, the missionary stuff that your family did, did that play into it? Nope. Not at all. Totally something outside of your comfort zone. Nothing mm-hmm. you knew before. Like, hey, let's go do something different. Yeah, completely different. Rad. That's awesome. All right, cool. So when uh, when you got here, and you went, did you go straight through from EMT to paramedic, or did you have like that seven month gap? I had the seven month gap. So you did your gen eds, and then you showed back up. So well, what actually, was okay? I went to Bob Jones for three years before coming here. Okay. So I got most of my gen eds done there, and they transferred. So I was just um, a transport truck for dialysis and grannies. Gotcha. And then, okay, so how did that help you before your first day of paramedic school? It helped me learn how to take blood pressures better in the field, helped me learn how to work on a moving truck, how to do patient movement and operate stretchers. Cool. And do you think that it helped maybe ease any fear or give you a leg up during paramedic, during the paramedic education end of it? I was still... Scared. Still pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. All right, I, I get it. I absolutely get it. Um, how well 
Well, tell tell me about EMT. Tell me about EMT first. What well, you took EMT here? Yes. Okay, and tell tell me about it. You show up and you know it's all new to you. Tell me about EMT. Two hundred and forty hours. Mm-hmm. Is it drinking from the fire hose quite yet, or was that more paramedic? I didn't struggle so much with EMT because I was a lifeguard before, so I knew some of the basic, basic, basic stuff. Basic first aid, some CPR, yeah. AED, no big deal. You're learning some right. finer points of EMF. All right. And I didn't have the stress I could say as being the one on the truck. I was just going to be a basic, you know. Just the basic. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, given basic, save paramedics, but. Okay. <laughs> I, fair, fair enough. All right. So what about, what about paramedic school? You finish EMT, first day of paramedic, EMS 150 here at the college. What do you, what do you got? What's, the, what's going through your head your first day? Well, first day, I was like, I can't believe I'm here because I never got the acceptance letter saying that I was accepted. I got <laughs> I got a phone call like a week or two before class was supposed to start asking, you know, hey, are you going to accept this or do we have another spot open? So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm taking it. Why? No. So, and then you're here. Yeah, I'm here. So I'm sitting here in disbelief, like, I didn't think I was going to make it this year. Now you're drinking from, from the fire hose. Yes. Tons of information, although that first semester is pretty much a, a playtime. We'll learn some innovation, some advanced assessments, some IVs, all the fun stuff that you're like, I'm going to paramedic school for this. And you're like, oh, I was a quick 15 weeks. Now what? Mm-hmm. And then farm and card. More information, just memorizing stuff. Ten I thought, weeks. I thought I was going to die during those ten weeks, but looking back, they were probably the most fun ten weeks out of the semester. They're the only the fun thing. ten weeks. They're the only fun <laughs> ten weeks. And then it's EMS 240, and you hate yourself and everyone else, and it's the bulk of your medical training, and you're, you're tired of the word pathophysiology, and you hate me, and you hate your classmates, and you hate okay, work. Maybe it's because you left us, but I never hated you. All right, that's good. Then I was doing something wrong. <laughs> All right, so what did um, what did uh, let's give me that type before we get to what wanting to know if we did a good job. What did uh, what's your best memory of paramedic school? I have no clue. I can think of a lot of bad memories because I cried because I was so stressed. Well, out, that's but... the next question. I was, <laughs> I like to lead with the good. I like to lead with the positive. Hmm. Positive memories don't necessarily have to do with the actual training, I guess. That's fine. I mean, it's still related. I mean, I met one of my best friends here. Awesome. And you're still friends with him? Yeah. Part of EMS? Mm-hmm. Awesome. I know who that is. I know you know who no. that is. <laughs> and that's good stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and how, how much do you think that played a role in you being successful in paramedic school? Oh, it played a big role, because if it weren't for her, I would have quit. Well, there you go. So, motivation-wise, I mean, you know, you have your motivation, you have doubt, and that's somebody who probably beat that down a little bit, or, or motivated you, you know, you guys give each other pep talks. I watched it, you guys had seven feet in front of me, so, mm-hmm. you know, it was pretty clear. Um, and that's good. I mean, I have no, I have no doubt there's probably people out there who wish they had that, um, and, and that's good stuff. So, well, give me, all right, so tell me a negative one. All the stress. stress. Every single time that I cried and 
self-doubted and beat myself up. Yeah, but what do you? What did you <laughs> self-doubt? What, what What did you doubt? Did you doubt? Did you doubt while you were in class? While you no, were in I scenario? While you were on the truck? Every time I got a bad grade, I doubted if I was going to be a good enough provider for my patients. Well, so you equated you equated those grades to to am I good enough? Yeah. Oh man, that's horrible. I mean, that's well, hard. I I can say that sitting on this side of the desk, like and, and finishing it. And being on this side of it now, yeah, that's a horrible way to look at it because, I mean, you're here to learn. And all those bad grades are just an opportunity to learn. But... But what do you consider a bad grade? I mean, you know, there's there's anything like... Anything under an A. Anything under an A. <laughs> like, okay. All right. Well, I don't know how to make you feel better about that. But I, and as, well, a C, as, a, as a C student who, <laughs> who always got does not work to potential and... Uh, you know, I, I was happy with B's and what's a dean's list, and it's like, man, I really just need that patch with those eleven letters on it so I can go do work. Uh, so yeah, I never made the dean's list either, but and, and look, yeah, look at us now. I know. Look at us now. All right. So, what would you say? Or did you tell me? Do you think that we prepared you? Do you think you were prepared to work as a paramedic on your first day out of school? Like, how did you feel about it? Hmm. I mean, if it was just me and a basic first day on the truck, since I did not have any other immersion experience, I worked with the dialysis transport stuff, and I worked for mobile care for a little bit, which was just discharges. In a way, I did not feel adequately prepared. Like, if I had gotten... I mean, I felt like I was better than a basic, obviously, because I had more experience. I had more ride time. But if it was just me and a basic, very first time out on the truck, and first day on the job, and if shit hit the fan or whatever that expression was, I would have called for backup in a heartbeat and been like, let's just try and keep airway patent and keep the heart pumping as much as possible and pull out my standing orders guide and cookie cutter it. So, so like, what if your backup was like the same way? What were you going to do? We were going to like throw shit together and make it work, get that patient to the hospital. I mean, I could have done it. I have no doubt I could have done it. There you go. I could but, I could have done it. But was I prepared as much then as I am now with more experience? No. Well, of course not. You have the experience. <laughs> you have the. You have. Well, how many times did I? How many times do I say it in class? You know, experience and exposure. Um, of, of course. I mean, you don't think you you knew enough that you know we're going to support the airway and we're going to assess. I mean, that sounds that sounds pretty ready. I mean, maybe not mentally, but physically you had the tools, right? Well, yeah, muscle memory is down, but mentally it's like slowing yourself down because it's the first time you've encountered something like that. And, and there's nobody watching you. Yeah. Right. I, I've said it again. I was, I was telling uh, somebody else earlier, telling Rita earlier, that again, I've told you guys a hundred times the story of I gave morphine every day, every shift while I was in paramedic school. And the first time I ever had to give it on the truck, I looked at that thing for five minutes because I was sitting by myself with my FTO driving us in, this guy with an arm fracture or something. And I was like, all right, I'm going to give 0.2 cc's. It's two milligrams. That's what standing order says. I put it in the carpet jack. I checked it. I looked at her. And I, while she was driving, I was like, hey, I'm going to give 0.2 cc's. And she's like, why are you still talking to me? That guy's arm's fractured. 
I'm like, all right, cool. And I looked at it. And I twirl it around. I check it out. I was like, all right, 0.2 cc's IV, flush 20 cc's behind it. Check for indications, contraindications, allergies. That went on for five minutes in my head. And I still went, I was like, hey, just so you're, just so we're clear, I'm going to get 0.2 cc's. It was like two minutes from the hospital. She's like, we're going to be at the hospital before you give it. Hurry up. And I was like, man, I've done this a hundred times, but now nobody's watching me physically push it. I just took, it took, so I knew I knew how to do it. I put it together right. I understood the drug. I knew the profile. I knew the patient. And it's absolutely different. It's absolutely mm-hmm. different. Um, but that's, that's good. That's good that you can sell. How about now? Like, how do you feel? How do you feel a year later? Just over a year later. I feel like there's still a lot to learn, but I'm a lot more confident and comfortable. And you made it. You made it through what I call the survival year. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but I got, I got other questions. I got other questions for you. So what didn't what didn't school prepare you for? Like, is there a handful of things, one thing that sticks out that you're like, man, school did not cover this or, uh, you know, and not, you know, the intricacies of Wellen syndrome and cardiac stuff, like something personal or, you know, something you've encountered. You're like, man, I wish they would have talked about that or I, you know, I, they never, never said this, never said anything about this. In all honesty, I wish they dealt more in school about mental health, too. Right, and that is... I know you're coming up to that, but... Uh, no, that's actually, I'm adding it now. I've added, like, I've added my own stuff to the curriculum for the, that very reason, because you get, uh, honestly, four paragraphs in health and well-being on your second day of paramedic school, and it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. It's way more of a big deal now, so go ahead. I interrupted you. I can think of the first call that made a huge impact on me. And honestly, I didn't know how to cope with it afterwards. Right. And I'm a year later, I still don't know exactly how to cope with it. Right. Um, I don't know that I can build that into a curriculum, <laughs> but just recognizing that. Right. Um, as part of resi- like resiliency training is a mm-hmm. very self-care resiliency training. It was really funny about a little over a year ago, I did a, I did a, a, a continuing ed for us or for the county when I was there. And uh, it was one of the off months where it wasn't required. And I did like uh, I did resiliency training. And the more I was talking about it, the, the response from people, from from employees and, and attendees was like, dude, that was awesome. And I was like, man, we really should put this where everyone has to hear it and I think social media plays a very large role in, and again, you know, code, we talk about the code green campaign and it seems, you know, I I think EMS providers unfortunately think that that's the only spot for them. And it's great. I think they do a great job, uh, except for in typical EMS fashion, it's not, I don't ever want to say it's a joke. Uh, It's getting way more uh, publicity because of social media uh there's way more stuff in your face right now mm-hmm. um it, it was probably something we just didn't talk about you know right. the dms was just like ah you bury that down there we'll talk about it with a therapist when we retire but i'm never retiring uh, or things even like that there's a misconception of ptsd not that i have it or i'm close to having it but uh someone that i know said that you know you guys can't have ptsd because 
you aren't in the military. I, I absolutely, if that's someone was me, I used to, I honestly, 100% said that. And only, I changed it a little bit. I didn't say that we can't have it. I said we don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't deserve it. Uh, because we weren't seeing the horrors of war on a daily basis. Right. And I'm not saying that what we see is anything compared to what, you know, they deal with on a daily basis either. That's not what I'm trying to say. Right. Because just like with cancer, there's different stages, different types. You can have different stages and different types of PTSD. Right. And the more the more that I looked into it, especially for that lecture, um, to find out, and you know, the human factor is very much a part of that that it doesn't matter what role you have, whether it's fire, EMS, police, or the military, the human influence and having human emotion is is what makes you capable and deserving of uh, saying, you know, post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. I don't like to call it disorder. That's personally me. Um, again, that's fear. Fear every EMS provider has or public safety has. Mm-hmm. Um Think and like I said, not that we joke. I mean, we have dark humor, gallows humor, and all that stuff. But at the same time, there's a lot of people, and me, including myself, in certain circles. I mean, we've turned code green into a verb. Like right. I'm like I'm going to code green you. Ah, another code green. I'm going to code green you right out of here. Um, and that's you know that's not right. But at some, but again, there's been people who uh, during that during that resiliency lecture, I was like, "Hey, listen, you guys know we have a CISM team local. We have state resources. We have county resources. If you guys ever need to come talk, come doors always open." Mm-hmm. Within a week, I get pulled out of the office to go talk to a crew. We had a difficult call, and I was like, "Dude, really?" And, and everyone, the, somebody in the uh, another person in the office said, "You told him open door. That you got to go. Like, let's go talk." And I yeah. was like, "Yeah, I was glad to do it." And you know, they felt better. They were able to continue on with the uh, their 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 shift. And we followed up. I'm not going to be like, "Well, I got to code green, yeah. Let's mm-hmm. call this number." It, it wasn't anything like that. Sometimes it's just a simple debrief. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of people have been there. And you again on social media, people are very very up. Really weird on social media where like you look at Facebook. Facebook makes you put your name. It's your name. You're not anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people say. I don't want to talk to my local CISM. I want to talk to somebody from a county where I don't know. Um, I Personally, that's not me. I would rather talk to people I know. Uh, and I would rather talk to somebody who is an expert at it, like yeah. an actual clinical psychologist. I can talk. We can debrief off of a bad call and be like, man, that sucks to be that guy. Or, dude, I've never seen anything like that before mm-hmm. in my life. But ultimately, again, you, you sit on the couch. You pay for your hour. And right. you talk, you know, and you hope for you hope for uh, some type of uh, I don't know relief, closure, whatever it ends up being individualized. I guess. Cool. There's something that I wish I haven't found yet. It may be out there, but it would be cool if, because of how it's viewed, it might never happen anytime soon. But if someone from the military or a police officer or someone who's experienced what we've experienced, you know, opened up their couch to us, you know. They went through the training, and so they know firsthand what we're going through because those, yeah, they go, counselors and therapists go through training, but they never see what we see. Right. Well, you know what? There's actually, there are very few and far between, and I can't remember her name. There's a very, very uh, well-known woman. I just can't remember her name. She's in North Carolina, and she specializes in public safety. Mm -hmm. Um, I would make the trip. To go, if I ever had to, I would seek that person out, and I wish I could remember her name off the top of my head. But she's 
renowned for for that. And I think she came from the field and then mm-hmm. ended up in clinical psychology. So it's out there. Uh, it, I agree with you 100%. Paramedic school does not prepare you for that. We can do all the affect exercises we want, but you don't, we don't want to leave you with long-lasting trauma yeah. in school except, you know, memorize the drug profiles. <laughs> and even when you're a student on a truck, everything's all new and it's all... You're, you're there as a, high, you're there you're as a student. Adrenaline. Right, you're there as a student. You're there yeah. to learn, and you probably don't think about There's probably a good, good chance that you don't think about things like that until years down the road, years yeah. down the road. Um, and that is what we're finding out now. It's usually within five years of retirement, people are starting to think, I don't have, I'm not, in five years, I'm not going to have that structure. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have a purpose. The military goes through that. Uh, what am I going to do? And then all of a sudden, things that didn't bother you for 20 years, all of they start, you start thinking about it, you start, they start bothering you a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's weird. It's like, you know, 15 years ago, hey, as long as it wasn't my own blood, I can be up to my ankles and yours. But now, right. when somebody cut their finger and I'm a little skeeved out by it, things start bothering me. I remember a call from, you know, October 16, 2001. Uh, what's going on? You know, why am mm-hmm. I thinking about this? Um, and that's uh, that's what we're seeing now. So it, it's it's that's the that's not going to go away, and uh, it's definitely an area of EMS that needs to be addressed. So or all public safety. So what um not to get off of that, but <laughs> what um what would you say to the paramedic student on their first day of of their first ALS course? What would you say to them? Any advice for them? Ask all the questions you can. Ask all the questions you can. Never yeah. a stupid question, right? All right. What else? Anything else? Mm-hmm. What do you wish somebody told you? Hmm. That you're not going to die. You will not die going through this program as much as you feel you're like You're going to make it. You're going <laughs> to make it no matter how bad you think it gets. All right. Fair enough. So what would you tell them while they're walking down the aisle to graduation or pinning or whichever? What would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cliche and everybody says it, but now the real life training actually Now starts. the real learning starts, right? Yeah. I say it every year, every year on Facebook when people are like, oh, I, because, got, I got my registry, I got my, I passed my written, I was like, eh, or I got my job, I got my dream job. Hey, now the real learning's going to start. Because when I was finished this program and everything, you know, you think, okay, I can do this. Then you get on a truck and you think, Oh, shit, what did I get myself into? You got yourself into a public safety job, a public service job, a healthcare job, and you got into a job at an entry level, which is what we test you at. National mm-hmm. Registry is an entry level, 74 75% of the job, and now you have to learn to be a paramedic. We gave you yep. the toolbox. You got it with you, but now you have to learn to be a paramedic, be a, become a clinician. You have mm-hmm. to be a clinician. And there is a little bit of confidence dropping when you get on the truck for that first time if you've never worked emergent before at a new or even if you switch systems. But that's not a bad thing. A little bit of a confidence drop is not a bad thing because it makes you look over their protocols. It makes you relearn where they put stuff on the truck. It makes you better. It's not a... I don't, I don't you know, know if confidence drop, but... I, can, I, can I replace the word confidence with fear? Yeah, it's a little bit of fear. Mm-hmm. You have to be a little scared because you gotta respect the job. Fear is going to keep you on your toes. Yeah. Fear is going to keep you in that protocol, that guideline, um, and you know, wanting to come to work and be better than the other trainees you were hired with, or you know, I want to make it through my field training. I want to 
I want to be, I want to be like so and so, and that kind of that kind of pulls me into uh, the ne- the next couple questions. So, what do you what do you think about mentors? Like, do you think? Okay, I got I got blessed. I had amazing FTOs. Okay. And I'm with an amazing partner right now. Well, she's a good partner for the amount of years that she spent in this uh, career at the level that she's at right now. She's a good partner. And, um, you know, I've been blessed to have those good, strong paramedics around me. And I do, I, if I can become half the paramedic that they are, I consider myself lucky. So and you're, are you equating training officers with mentors, or are you just lucky that you're I'm able to have that, a, a mentor that's also a training officer for I'm you? lucky that a lot of my mentors are also FTOs. I mean... They are FTOs, but some of them I didn't have as an FTO. They just happened to have that title also. Right. So, do you have anybody outside of that role that, and maybe not My even, right maybe now, not even outside of or outside of EMS? Outside of EMS. It doesn't have to be. I'm just saying. I mean, you have mentors. I'm I have my parents, but <laughs> right. Who, are they more role models than mentors? Probably. Kind of like know. a role model. I, I think some people think there's some people don't think there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Think some people do. I particularly, I mean, I, I don't really have a good grasp on it myself. My mentors, I was very spoiled. Uh, my explorer mentors, I mean, they that's what I call them. I mean, like, I, I thank them as every chance I get mm-hmm. uh, for their EMS knowledge and pushing me in the right direction uh, at a super early age through that program. Uh, and not to take away, there's plenty of people down here that I, that I look up to uh, and be like, man, if, if I can be like this person in EMS, mm-hmm. I've, I've made it. Or if, or down the road, if people speak about me, like they speak about this person, like, look, I, I've made it. Like, I totally, it's been worth it, especially in the teaching end of it. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then the, the clinical aspect. So, so I, I mean, I, I get it. I absolutely get it. Um, do you think mentors are important? Or, you know, can you just, you know, you have a good field training officer and you get out there, you do the job, get your experiences and ex- your exposures and go from there. I think that having a mentor is a good thing. Yeah. Um, like I said, my mentors, some of them started off as my FTOs, then they've transitioned into my friends and my mentors. Right. Um, and even I, after surviving that first year, I still will text them and ask them questions about different calls and you don't feel bad about that at all it's super easy to have that conversation no one's going to judge you and you it's always it's usually something positive but on the other side of that are they are they ever afraid to be like ah you know what jen i don't think i think you might have messed that up but here's you know here's what i would have done or hey did you think of this where you still learn something out of it but it's in like a really non-threatening i won't say nurturing way but very non-threatening, like, you know, you would never go to your teacher and be like, oh, I, what do you think? And they're like, oh, my God, why I just taught you this. Why didn't you figure, why didn't you know that? And well, Because you're a student, and you probably don't have a great mastery of it yet. So. No, the, with my mentors, I don't have any of that fear. Like, they're awesome. really great. And like you said at the beginning of the, the session, there's not such a thing as a stupid question. Right. And if it makes me a better clinician for my patients, better paramedic, even if it's a stupid question, though there are none, I'm going to ask it because I want my patient care to be the best that it can be. All right. Outstanding. So 
I don't know if you remember, it's only been a year, but I used to say about, you know, uh, people have their EMS epiphany or it starts to click for them. Some people it's going to click maybe during the end of school, close to like two months before, one month before graduation. Or some people it clicks when they walk down the aisle and then other people it doesn't click until six months, a year, maybe a year and a half into the job. When did, did you, have you had your EMS epiphany yet? Like, did it click? Did it all fall into place yet? Or I think I've had it. Yeah? When yeah. was it? Was it before um, school ended or was it during the first, your first job? Or your first ALS job? Um, probably during my first ALS job. Okay. Um, well, okay, so I've always struggled to understand what you mean by it clicks. So, like, everything like, falls in place. Like, I, I, I understand it. I get the... I understand where the path of biz kind of fits in, or sometimes I kind of explain it where um, you sit on a call, like maybe you and your partner on a call, and you're not the primary on the call, so you're helping out your partner, mm-hmm. and they're doing the interview, they're doing the history and physical, and you're you're digging through the bag, maybe they ask you for oxygen, and you're like, oh, I'll get the cannula out, and uh, you, you're not really paying attention, but you kind of hear what's going on, mm-hmm. and your partner... They're asking questions, but the patient says something in response to your partner, and like your ears perk up, and you're like, oh, I would look here next, because maybe your partner didn't catch it, but you would get yours up like a dog, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, hey, you know what, not to interrupt, but uh, you know, when's the last time you had a bowel movement? Like, it's some kind of question like that, because you heard something that they said in the context, and all of a sudden, everything that you were kind of taught made sense, and you're like, hey, that would be the... That, this is what I think is going on. Maybe my partner didn't catch it, but you did. And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, I can't believe I remembered that, that it goes together and we should treat the patient like this. You know, Some, Something like that. Or okay, so, uh, to a point maybe where your hands move faster than your brain and things just seem to be working. So probably about four months into the job. Four months into it. I mean, I knew, you know... I was comfortable working and everything, and it's not a bad thing to have that delay. No, I don't think it's a delay at all. I um, don't think there's a time period for it either. (laughs) But yeah, probably about four months into it, certain things started to click. Right. I mean, obviously a lot more stuff clicks now than it did four months ago when things started to, but... That's uh, awesome. I mean, I I get it. And how do you feel now? Though? Do you feel better going on to a shift? Or yeah, I feel a lot better going on to a shift. So it's a big confidence boost. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Has it? Have you been burned yet? Have you been burned by something? Maybe overconfidence or just you know we always say the patient doesn't read the textbook. Yes. And did it cause you to doubt your comfortability or your EMS epiphany or? Was it just another learning experience, exposure, and let's move on, learn from it? More like a learning experience. Right, good. I did, right. A, I did a lot of doubting in paramedic school. Now I view everything as a learning experience. Awesome. And do you, this is a personal, more personal question, but do you kind of like self-reflect? Like All the time. You, awesome. Even if it's not, even if you're like, I think I screwed that up. Yeah, because like, you can It's not always, always like puppy dogs and sunshine, right? You can always learn, even from a basic call, you awesome. know. It's always a learning experience. Awesome. Um, all right. So tell me about your first year. Tell me about your survival year. Does anything stand out about it? 
You made it. I didn't make it. You made it. I made it. You didn't. You didn't quit that job. You're still at the same service. And still again, for it. for anybody listening, um, you know this this service is a local service in the upstate of South Carolina, where I uh, typically have about eighty two thousand responses per year and about seventy five thousand transports. So it's extremely busy, um, extremely busy. Um, so yeah, did you you made it? So I tell didn't me, make it. tell is there um, what sticks out. First thing, always make sure your truck's in park. No matter how amped up your partner makes the call sound, always make sure the truck's in park. So that's the first thing I learned. That was the first thing. That's what you got out of your survival year. Well, make no, sure the truck's no, in park. No, that was the first survival month. That was the first as month. A, as the second man on the truck. Okay. I ended up getting bruises from that because that was hilarious. After the fact. What up? Um, always treat your patients as if they're your family members. That is a common theme. It's absolutely somebody's emergency, right? Absolutely. So let me ask you this. Um, you passed your first year. You made the survival year. What are you going to focus on for your second year? What have you been working on? Hmm. Is it just like, God, let me make it through another day, let me make it through another shift, or is there something, do you have like specific goals? I need to work on my innovations. Innovations? There's, there's no one, my patients, either they're, they're my partner's patients that need innovation, and so she takes the airway, which I have no complaints about, or they're my patients and I don't need to be innovated. So, field experience innovation-wise, I don't have as much as I'd like. So do you do anything to keep up your skills for that? Like, do you practice on the dummy? Do you, yeah, I, mean, I practice on the dummy. All right, good. Um, when we do the CEP or IST or whatever they're called now, I try and do innovations on the mannequins. I ask the people after everything's um, everybody's gone through, you know, make it as difficult as possible, inflate the tongue, make it like they're having laryngeal spasms. Right. Stuff like that. So you're working on you're working on hard skills. You're working yeah. on all right, good deal. So I like to tell people unsolicited advice, usually, especially when you walk out of the classroom. That first year is your survival year, and that second year you actually work on developing yourself as an actual paramedic. Um, that's where you get to find how you like to do things. And a lot of people say, no, I do that in the first year. No, in the first year, you were watching everybody else, and you're like, you know, I had a, I had my first long-term partner. He set up his IVs a very specific way on the bench seat so that he would never have to turn around to look at where things were. He could just grab it and never take his eye off the patient. And now, you know, that's not me, but it was something since I would help him. I kind of adopted it, and it worked. And then, you know, you had a few other partners. You'd learn something from them. A lot of people always joke, um... I joke when I see people take, uh, at least locally, and I didn't invent this at all, people take their flashlight and try and transluminate a vein, and like I'll be like, oh, yeah, someone will be like, oh, I know who taught you that. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's not anything groundbreaking, but it's one of those, it's like, hey, try it. If it works, you add it to your toolbox. If it doesn't, you tweak it. It still doesn't work, you get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that second year, I think, is when people start to go, how do I really like to do things? Or I'm pretty comfortable with the basics. 
how do I like to do things? Like how I'm in charge of this truck now. There's no there's no FTO telling me every couple of weeks what what I need mm-hmm. to do. And now I get to do stuff. I made it. I can start learn. We told you now the real learning starts. That's the first year. The second year you get to kind of that leash gets a little bit longer. Or maybe you work with a couple part timers and now you're like you're really in charge. People are looking for you. Work with a lower certified provider and they're looking at you like, well, if things go bad. I'm looking at you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get that more responsibility. So is that you just pushing with the, or trying to reinforce your innovations, those hard skills? Is there anything else? or? Um, I mean, like you say, at this point in time, I am figuring out things that certain ways I like to do things, and it's kind of cool. <laughs> right. And the more that you kind of discover something, you feel like right. you discover something you're like, oh, you didn't tell me about this in school, but check it out. I figured it out. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What, so what's, what's next? What's next for Jennifer? Where's, where do you want EMS to take you? I always, still, I always say you get out of it what you put into it. So where do you want I'm to take you? I'm still trying to figure that out, honestly. Awesome. Um, I've toyed with the idea of maybe eventually someday doing contract stuff or, See what I can do with the military or whatnot, medical-wise. But um, still looking into it. For right now, it's just enjoying running the calls. Yeah, because you got to build that experience before all these other places will take you. Well, I agree. I agree. And I, I don't hate what I do right now. I love it. I absolutely love it. And overall, it's a good company that I work for. The protocols are good. So if you want so, to practice medicine, it's the place to be. Yeah. So I have no complaints about that stuff right now. Awesome. But what do you, do you have, like, uh, if you say you know, strategic planning, you know, two-year plan, five-year plan, where, do, where, where, where are you at in the next five? What's okay, your, like, so, do, you so, have, do you have, any so edu- do you have an educational goal? Do you have a performance goal? Anything like that? So within the last six months, my life kind of fell apart. So all my goals and dreams and all that stuff are kind of on hold or being reconfigured right now. So I honestly don't have an answer for you. Reassessing. Yeah, reassessing. You're reassessing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then obviously we'll have you back on with all your, <laughs> you know, your reassessed plans and, and uh, where you're going to go. Um. Oh, what else? Uh, what else do you have for me? What else? What do you got? Like, what else you you, want, got you wanted to talk about how much I work. Yeah, you work a lot. Yeah, I see your social media posts. You work a lot. I don't want to work a lot. Believe me, if I had another option, I would not work a lot. So you're you're doing it out of necessity. You yes. feel it's a necessity. Yes. So let me ask you a question. And I'm not. In fact, I was just talking to um to another paramedic last night about it, and I asked him specifically, how do you? Because he knows the situation that I'm in too. I'm like, I've got all these bills um, that now are all my responsibility and not having two salaries come in sucks. So how do you work and cover those bills so that your credit scores and you don't get in debt even more and you don't have bill collectors at your door, but yet not burn out? Because you work a lot, you burn yourself out, and it's your own fault, but Essentially, because you're the one picking up all those hours, and you're the one that, yeah, you plan to have two incomes coming in, but life happens, and yeah, at the point in time, you were the one that agreed to it, and even though shit happens, it's still your responsibility. I I understand. 
Um, and I, I'd like to add a layer to that. Okay. Not to pile anything else on you. <laughs> but because it's a super sexy hot button topic in EMS right now, at what point does it become unsafe? Sleep-wise, rest-wise, resilience, mental health-wise, mm-hmm. to split that, I got to pay all these extra bills with, I got to keep my mental sanity type stuff. Right. On top of all the personal stuff mm-hmm. you're going to be dealing with, or you are dealing with. Right, and that's what I was talking to him about last night, because, you know, I told myself after last month or the month before that I wasn't going to do any more of those 24s, 36s because, you know, it's not safe for me, not safe for the patient. Um, so I've been trying to schedule my schedule, trying to schedule the schedule, such that I can at least have a guaranteed four to six hours of sleep between each shift. Right. And when I work long weeks that I work seven, eight shifts in a row, I try not to, I look at my calendar and try and do it on days that, or weeks that I don't have much else planned. So... To take a page from the local fire departments, uh-huh. uh, as much as we love to, to make fun of those guys and girls, <laughs> um, have you thought about a second job that's not EMS? I have, but honestly, I don't know what I'd do. Something completely like, unrelated. Yeah. Like, like go before, work at Target. Well, before I got into the EMS, I did, um, I was a sales associate. Absolutely hated it. Absolutely hated it. Um, and I don't want to, not that sales associates, waitresses, waiters are. Ton of people, ton of EMS people in food service. Right. Came from it. In right. fact, came from food service. Yep. One of the kids in my class, well, maybe several of the kids in my class came from it. I'm not sure. I know one for sure. But, um, I just, I don't know what I want to do because. Because EMS is your life, isn't it? To some it's not a bad no, thing. No, to some extent it is. I just want to hear you say it. To some extent EMS is my life right now because everything else in my life is a mess and that's the one thing that, you know, I feel like I have There's someone... purpose and structure exactly. and uniformity. I absolutely understand it. Yeah. Um, but I have thought about a different job or even picking up a job with mobile care again or um, another one of the dialysis transport companies. Just because it gives you, even though you're working, it's a mental rest. Right. Right. And I think that's, imp- I think that's important. I don't have a turnkey answer for you, though. But mm-hmm. when you find it, I'm going to have you back on and we'll talk <laughs> all about it. Um, but uh, I absolutely appreciate you coming in to do this. Um, I think it gives good insight. You're not, out of the group of people that I kind of pick for this little project, you're not the baby, but you're pretty close. No, oh, I know. You're pretty close. I'm, One I, year I'm out still of school. considered a baby medic. Oh, no. Oh, I you are. Medic. But, you know. And I used to be, I used to be offended by that term, a baby medic. But this kind of. Better than the new guy, right? better than the new guy. Better than the new guy. Better and. Than, better than the student. And people know that you're still learning, too. Yeah. So they're more willing to answer your questions. They're not willing. They're not as much um, ready to look down on you or be like, "Oh, you've been doing this for ten, fifteen years. You should know that by now." You I know? agree. I agree. So I think it's good to get the insights. Uh, you know, it, 
in my head, I was, I think I know what a lot of the answers are between the first year medic, two year medic, fifth year medic. Uh, I just want to hear. I just want to hear it. I want to hear people's experiences. You know, I worked at that service for 15 years. Um, been EMS for a long time, and both sides of it. You know, the education side, the clinical side. Uh, and it's 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 fun for me to talk to people, especially to see. And it's not to validate how well I was your teacher or how did how good of a job I did. I'd rather hear your experiences in the field and, and, and what it's like to progress through the stages. So I appreciate you coming in. I want to have you back on. I want to have all my friends back on. That's what this is. It's not, you know, not meant to be, you know, educational. And some of them will be. But like I said, I just want to kind of get together, talk, um, keep it local, keep it friendly, keep it conversational, and uh, and uh, see where it takes us. I don't think there's enough EMS uh podcasts out there i think uh medics across the country emts across the country feel the same way they just don't really have an outlet for it so if i can do it in an entertaining way with entertaining people here we are Mm -hmm. so thanks you're welcome